Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Have some patience and some tolerance for the fact that this type of training is going to feel very different. And you have to resist mentally going to that place where, you know, you think this isn't as hard. This isn't going to work for me. It's not effective because you're choosing to spend your hour in the gym. People think that they don't do functional training. You do functional training every day. You live your life. Like if you sit up and down in a chair or on a toilet, congratulations, you're squatting. If you're on the floor with your kids and you go to get up, that's pushing up. Like you're going through these ranges of motion already. Hey everyone, welcome back to the pod. On today's episode, we are bringing back Todd and Marissa Wise, who we had on the show about six or seven months ago. But today we're going to talk more specifically about our fitness program, as Todd and Marissa are both involved in the programming and design and layout for that. They have a ton of experience working with people in functional style training. They have a ton of experience as athletes, and we share a lot of our philosophies on growth and development, adaptation in sport, and how capable all people actually are of doing this kind of training. We're going to talk about some of the common fears, fallacies, and misconceptions with functional training and how we work with people to get them over the hump and the initial learning curve so that they can take full advantage of, yeah, learning new skills and getting super fit at any age. Our fitness program is going live on Monday, November 27th. You'll be able to sign up and register on Black Friday, November 24th. So you can look for updates on our Instagram, on our email list, and there will be information on our website as well. We don't have a live URL, so I can't tell you what the website is going to be, but there will be a website and we will be keeping you in the loop. But just so you know the dates, November 27th, it's go time. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome back to the show, Todd and Marissa Wise. How's it going? It's good. How about you? Good. Yeah, doing good. What's new over in uh, New York? Nothing. New York's the same. Always the same. Yeah, we're getting hit with like random heat wavy things. As a Northeasterner that wishes she lived in California, I'm enjoying that. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. And Marissa, you're getting into third trimester pregnancy, which is probably news to people who don't know you as well as we do. But how's that going? It is weird, especially like entering these last couple of weeks because my app is popping up like you're 27 weeks. I'm like, okay, let me reverse engineer that. So that's 13 to go if I go all the way to 40, which means she could be here like as soon as 10 to 11, basically. So that part is very bizarre. I had a conversation with someone the other day that said that when she got close to the end, she was like, oh man, this thing's got to come out at some point. So I feel like I'm having like those moments of just like, okay, this part's been fun. We'll see what's next. So dude, my sister went to like 42 or 43 weeks or something with her second one. I was like, holy Did she end moly. up getting induced or did she just, they just waited it out? No, for her first kid, my nephew, she did get induced and that caused all kinds of problems and resulted in a emergency C-section, which is not to say that that is what happens every time you get induced, but that caused issues for her. So the second one, she wanted to do a VBAC. So she wanted to do a vaginal delivery and it was getting into, and she worked with a midwife, which was different than the first time around. And so the midwife was, you know, kind of reassuring and say, you know, it's actually, it's okay. It's normal to go a little longer. 
don't panic, you know, and the more traditional medical establishment is is like, hey, do you want us to induce you at 40? And, you know, kind of pushing her in that direction. But yeah, she went the natural route, no induction and had a, I mean, it's still a long labor for her, but yeah, perfectly healthy delivery for both. So yeah, we're working with a midwife too, but yeah, I guess I didn't consider the uh, beyond 40. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. All I can say is, ouch. I said to Todd last night, I was like, I had a realization that your shoulders are also broader than your head. So like, that's a factor. Just all these things that you've never thought about anatomy of a baby before until you're like, okay, how is this going to come out? How big is she actually? Yeah. No, we always say if there's a will, there's a way. We don't always say that, but it's true. The crazy thing is, and I'm sure you'll probably have this experience as my sister did and a lot of other people who I know who are into functional training and in very good shape going into delivery is it's so much easier for people who are bringing in a base level of fitness and core strength than for people who don't. You know, the flip side is I work with a few people and one person whose partner was not in particularly good shape, not an exerciser. And apparently delivery for her was just like awful. Like she couldn't really even get organized enough to like push productively for any amount of time because it was too fatiguing. So yeah, that's just to say, I hope that delivery goes great. It's and probably going to slide right out. I mean, we'll see how it goes. I've coached many pregnant women over the years. And this time with Marissa, it's a little bit different because like when I'm coaching that athlete, I don't live with them. So it's a whole new lens of like, rather than prescribing exercise and walking through the process all the way to delivery and then postpartum, but like seeing all the stuff and I've gone to every appointment that we've had and learned. And then we even went to a pelvic floor PT recently to get some of her breathing patterns down and everything else. And like, we knew everything was okay because of her baseline of fitness. And it was just more reassuring. I highly recommend people going to a pelvic floor PT, pregnant or not. It's a good thing. Find somebody good. It also engages in strength training though. Cause then she knows like she is really well-versed in it. We had great conversations, but it's cool to see. And then even this last weekend, we did this like community competition in our area for CrossFit. And I was on a team with a bunch of our members and one of our members teammates left and Marissa hopped in to do the final workout. And you were able to do like ring rows and box up overs because it was a community event. So they had a bunch of scaling options and stuff. And I think the event was cool. But then when she did that, I think everyone was like, what is happening? But with having a high level of fitness going in, you can still do those things. Then it's really remarkable, honestly. Like I didn't think you could push as hard as she'll push, but her baseline was so high. So I don't recommend that for everybody, but like her baseline of max heart rate, her intensity levels going into pregnancy was so high that like she's operating at 70%. But when people look at it, it's some people's hundred percent and it's just where you're at. But it is really cool to see. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. The fitness they can actually retain all the way through. So speaking of fitness... Look at that professional transition by Alex Parker. Here I was thinking you were half asleep. So we released an episode on our fitness program. And I think people are, unless you've been living under a rock, you know that that is coming. And you guys are pretty heavily involved in it. So we thought, what better time to bring you back on the podcast? Because it's been, what, about six or seven months since your, since your first time. And just to talk a little bit about the program more and what perspectives you're bringing to it. So. The programming, as it appears, is developed. You guys are behind that, largely. And you're bringing a ton of experience. So I guess briefly kind of explain, like, 
where did you start with this first and second block of programming? How did it evolve as our client base sort of revealed itself? And what are your long-term visions, which I know that what they are because they align with ours, but just so people are aware of kind of the, the method behind the madness. Yeah, we, I mean, you guys approached us because you want to do a finished program and you know that we have experience with the gamut of athletes from GPP all the way up to elite. And you looked at some of our programming from our current CrossFit affiliate that we own. And I guess you really liked it, obviously. And not knowing, you know, other than like, the Instagram followers that you guys had and just your general community from nutrition, it was more of like, okay, so we're going to be doing things that are more closely related to dumbbell stuff with functional movement and trying to figure out how we could make that progressive and linear in nature and meeting those people where they're at. And that was like the start of what we wanted to do for the beta. And so we kind of just wrote stuff that made sense and went in order and we chose a push-up progression. And then later on, added a bench press progression out of some like early feedback for people because of the equipment list. So you guys surveyed, we're like, okay, so some people have barbells, some people don't like, and pushups are great. They're foundational. And we wanted people to learn that. But then it was like, well, what do we do for people who have barbells? We don't want it to be super basic. So it was kind of balancing a lot of that stuff in their early stages. You do have a lot of endurance people. So we took that into consideration. And if they're running a lot, we tried to incorporate more rowing and biking and just build it that way. So far, the beta is a progression of pressing and endurance stuff. And then we just layered that all together through the four-week cycle to keep it more consistent with slight variation. So less variance than CrossFit, but still trying to keep it fun with variation of combinations, but using a movement selection that's all the same of like row or bike with a press movement and then trying to balance it with some pulling in. And then obviously a lot of squatting because every strength program should have a ton of squatting. Yeah, that balance is really crucial between, you know, having it progress intelligently, but also be something that's like engaging and fun to do. I've definitely worked with people in the past who, you know, they say, I just want something that's going to work. I'm okay with it, you know, being repetitive. You know, they, they just want to do effective training, but maybe they're coming from a spin background or a boot camp background. And so I'm like, okay, I'll write you a progressive training program and I'll send it to you. And then they get two to three weeks into it. And the feedback is like, well, it's mostly the same thing every day, like just different iterations of it. Or every Tuesday is the same or every Wednesday is the same. I remember starting a similar program. It's like every Tuesday is bench press. Am I just going to be bench pressing on Tuesday for the rest of my life? And it was like, if you want to get strong, yeah. So, you know, I think that there's like desire to progress, but I think a lot of people out there simply are not passionate enough about progression to really buy into a bone dry hypertrophy progressive program that repeats itself a lot. So that's the balance that I see us and you guys kind of striking. And it's interesting because the first week of the beta, there was some feedback from people, I think, coming maybe from you know, bodybuilding backgrounds or kind of, you know, online, you know, app sort of backgrounds that were saying, is this enough? You know, it's shorter than my other workouts. It does not as many movements. And then at the end of the week, everyone was, you know, sufficiently feeling fatigued in the right kind of way from the programming. And then the second week was the same. So I thought that was really interesting how quickly the dialogue shifted from is this enough to like, oh my God, I have never felt like this after a week of training ever. Yeah, that was cool. Some of that feedback was that 
yes, there were people who were like, oh, it's short or they wanted to add some stuff. But there were some people who did appreciate that it was like 30 to 40 minutes. And I think we play with this a lot. I know no one would pay an affiliate fee, like a CrossFit gym membership or like an Orange Theory membership that's like 150 to $210, depending on where you're at, for a 30 minute class. Like it just wouldn't work because I didn't know dollars per value. People don't see that. Although I would argue like that actually might be the best thing for them, assuming that they're doing other activities like they like to run or they mountain bike or they ski or pickleball, like, but they're also getting three to four times a week strength training and it doesn't feel like a lot. And I think that's one of the things in fitness for general people who aren't trying to be high level athletes or they're not like chasing down some robust capacity. You can get a lot from a little, and that's something that gets overlooked, I think. And there's people out there like something is better than nothing. And it is, and then you guys have even said that on your Instagram and that is true to a degree. So like when you're first starting, something is better than nothing, but then you have to look at like, okay, well, what do I want to get out of it? And that's where like the progression piece comes into play. So if you're just trying to get consistent, yeah, doing anything is great. And if you guys really like tactic, you're going to want to just do this program because the program that you like and buy into is the one that you're going to stick to and be consistent with. And that's the first place to start. And then from there, it's like, okay, well, maybe I want to run a little faster or yeah, do I want to get stronger? Maybe I should listen to Alex and bench press every Tuesday. Like those are important things that people need to learn to consider over time and not a big expectation in the fitness market to learn that. And so hopefully like one of the bigger, I guess like outcomes we could get is people to have like some fitness autonomy where they're like, okay, I have this basic level of fitness that I'm building on. And there are some things I want to incorporate that I need to be consistent with because I want to run faster. I want to jump more. I want to learn the Olympic lifts or I want to learn how to mountain bike. And that means I need to mountain bike every Thursday, whether I want to or not. And I need to bench press every Tuesday, whether I want to or not. And then a bigger picture would be, how do I do this till I'm like 80 years old, which most people don't even want to think about half the time. So, but I think that's a really important thing that most people need to understand is it's something that you need to do forever because the modern world, we're not working outside every day and moving our bodies. So finding something you really like, being consistent with it, and then learning autonomy into what are the things I like and how do I progress that? Yeah, like this isn't meant to be this program that gets you to the CrossFit Games or makes you extremely fit. It's meant to do what we preach with nutrition, which is like lay the foundation that allows you to do the really great things in life. Like doing a workout in the gym is like, eh, for most people. For a lot of people, it's checking the box. And like the more fun you can make that box, the better. Really, it's checking the box so that when you're out with your, you know, kids ski team and you're doing a dry land training hike, like you're at the front of the pack. Like you can keep up. You can, you know, Saturday we're hiking up this mountain. Okay, I'm good for it. Like you don't have to worry about not being in a physical state that you can handle that and then show up the next day for another hike or anything like that. And I think for me, like the 30 to 40 minute time frame for a workout, because that's kind of what I'm doing right now with my running is awesome. Like there's a big difference between 40 minutes and an hour. And like, I don't know if it's just me, but in slotting in your day, like a lunchtime workout, a lot of us get like an hour for lunch or an hour between work and having to prep for dinner. It can be a lot easier to fit in a 40 minute workout into an hour than working out for an hour, especially if you have to drive to the gym. Like that 20 minutes kind of gives you a little bit of extra flexibility. Like if you're someone who needs to add, you know, your PT mobility training, there's time for that. And especially a lot of people who come to us for nutrition, they're doing strength training two to three times a week, which is good. But our program is five days a week with one kind of more basic conditioning day. 
So it's a little bit better that it's shorter because you're committing to more days. Yeah, I think we will eventually incorporate an education component to it, which hopefully, I mean, it's kind of like our nutrition coaching and some of the theory that we rely on there is the self-determination theory, which is people do feel empowered really from a place of understanding because they know what decisions are being made and why and they're involved in that process. Obviously, like people are not going to be involved in the process of designing the program, but if they understand more of the why behind certain decisions and layouts and things like that, I think we can start to bridge the gap between these two sort of camps in the fitness space, which is people who are very into fitness and they're kind of students of it. And you see this in all modalities and at all levels, people who just they study strength training, even if they're like, you know, engineers or accountants, like it's just the thing that they love to do outside of work. And they have a really solid understanding from a recreational standpoint. And then you have people who they don't really want to understand. They want to be told what to do. They want to be handed a program. They want to watch someone do it. They want to go through the motions and they want it to work. And a lot of times that type of programming just doesn't work because there's not enough understanding of like, this is what the intensity should feel like, or this is actually how you do that movement. And, you know, this is how you progress. And no, you don't need to do 20 minutes of extra cardio. And so I think providing that education, like we may not be able to get everybody to a point where they're reading about German strength training in their free time just because that interests them. But I think you can get people to a point where their own progression interests them enough where they set aside time to learn new movements and to improve and to really make sure that they're bringing the right intensity and focus into every training session instead of just showing up and looking to get a good sweat. At least that's my vision as you get the handful of people from that camp to like take a step towards I have a legitimate interest in fitness, specifically my own fitness. I think too is like adults. And this is part of the reason why I love when adults find CrossFit because how frequently in other areas of our life are we learning new things, like trying new sports? Like, yeah, some people pick up golf late in life or like pickleball is a new thing. So that's like a new sport. The physical and the neurological benefits to learning anything new, but specifically learning something physically new is enormous. And it's not just like, you know, learning the way things are written out. Like, you know, people are a little bit confused sometimes on the beta testing by like the way things are written and like understanding that will take a week and that's okay. Like, don't get frustrated if something is new, but like the learning curve is steep if you commit to learning, like Meredith said, like, you know, there's learning about why you're doing something, but there's also the really, really basic learning of like learning how this works kind of. And then on top of that, it's learning new movements, like learning sequences of movements, like even remembering, okay, we're going to do a hang squat clean into a above the knee squat. Like it's remembering, okay, what am I doing? I got to move my body in the way that it's written. And yeah. And then on top of that, like legitimately learning new movements, like some people might be brand new to rowing. Some people might be brand new to pull-ups. Like if they're scaling appropriately, they've never done a pull-up before and now they can do a version of it. There's so much value in that learning aspect. And I think that's something that our training brings and is kind of the basis of like functional fitness. How do you guys see this play out like in an in-person affiliate, like gym setting, basically people going from that, like just walk in the door, never done anything like this to let's just say like a beginner intermediate level. Like what does that progression look like usually? How long does it take? What are some of the common difficulties that people encounter? And then how do you help them work through it? It's definitely an it depends answer. Like it's pretty broad, but I think one thing we do try to prioritize is the conversation around the fact that like physical culture and like mastery of movement is something that 
takes time. Like we're very intentional about having that conversation with people and like the rate of their development is the part that depends, but like everyone is going to experience at a baseline level, like what that progression through like physical mastery. And Todd, I think does a really great job with members and those conversations because of his background in martial arts, like that building a foundation of movements. And yeah. I mean, you weren't allowed to, like if you're a white belt, right. you can't do yellow belt things until you're yellow belt. It's always been easy for me to accept, I guess that rule. And I was taught really young, but like, I think the biggest thing for me in the last year, especially with starting the new affiliate in New York, because the culture is really different from California. California is way more active than here in New York. And like anybody you ask here, they're going to agree with that statement versus out there. And it, you see people come in and these are the types of people we want to help who have never either been an athlete or they've got a lot of weight to lose because of health risks. And they're the most fun to help because it's so challenging. But as long as you make them feel comfortable with the challenge and understand that it's challenging and they like that process that it is challenging, they're going to get a huge result. So like the first place most people want to start is like understanding that it is challenging. You have to learn all these new words if you've never done fitness before at all, or if you've done a little bit of fitness, but you don't know what a thruster is, you got to learn like what that is. And then you also have to learn sequencing and order, like Alex said, of movements and workouts and try to learn this whole thing that like I bring people in. And I'm like, okay, you're brand new. This is going to look like Chinese. And I'm going to read this to you every day. And you're still not going to get it for like six months. And that's okay. And they have to know that it's okay. And we create a space where like, you can really fail. So I think with this online program, you're going to have to make a space like for yourself where like, I'm not going to get this right. And that's all right, because I am in here doing it and I'm going to learn over time and be consistent with that because at the end of the day, that's the best thing for you. And the biggest thing I tell people, like we laughed last night, we're doing some barbell complexes with snatches and I'm teaching people what cluster sets are. They have no idea what a cluster set is. So that's already hard to explain what a cluster set is. We're also doing snatches. I got four new people in class and I was like, guys, this is going to be really complex. And I was like, no pun intended, but now we're going to do a complex of cluster sets and everyone's like dying. And new guy, Chris, they were at the YMCA and he moves pretty well. And I was like, Hey man, listen, people do this five to six days a week to try and win an Olympic gold medal for almost 20 years. Like you're going to try and learn how to do this right now, just so you don't hurt yourself and have a good time. And he like laughed and was like, Oh really? How long have you been doing this? I'm like, well, I've been snatching for like 15 years now. So like it's okay that I look like that and you look like this. And he was like, oh, cool. I'm here for it. And it helped that the people that brought him in have been doing CrossFit style training for a really long time. But it's that. It's just engaging in that thought process and being okay with you know, not knowing stuff, having a little bit of humility, whether you've done CrossFit or weightlifting or you've been an endurance athlete and doing Ironmans for a long time and saying, oh, I'm going to learn something new. It's like what Alex said. It's the neurological benefit is huge of just, even if you were like, Hey, I'm going to pick up like the ukulele, that's going to have a huge benefit on your brain. And the same thing is true with learning how to do pull-ups and snatches. And if you don't do burpees now learning how to do burpees, like it's just really cool to see. And you got to be okay with just making a mess of it. And I don't think a lot of people want to make a mess of it because they want to be so perfect. And they're like, why don't I look like these people? And this is too tough. And they just give up. Whereas like I used to say to people that like finish shouldn't be fun. I think it can be fun, but I think for a large majority of it, it's not because you're now adding more stress and load to your body. You're training yourself. You're taking on something challenging, but the reward of what you get after that is what is the fun. And when you look back, it's like, okay, yeah, that was really fun. 
but maybe the process wasn't so much fun. But I try to shy away from that now because I'm like, yeah, this isn't fun. And people are like, yeah, you're right. It's not fun. I'm not coming tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe that was the wrong approach. But it's really cool to see. I think that's the hardest part is every day you come in, you're like, what's that thing? I don't know what that is. I don't want to be here. This is really tough. And then the clock starts and everyone's doing stuff. And I'm over there going, oh, no, you got to go to this next thing. Okay, now go to this thing. Oh, it's okay. Go to that one. All right, move here. Yeah, yeah, that's good. You did these many reps. Keep moving, keep moving. And it could seem chaotic, you know, in that way. But, and even in your own house by yourself, you're just like, what am I doing? So it's tough. I find like a good kind of way to describe this and people who play golf will be able to understand this, but I find Olympic lifting or any lifting, like even something as simple as a back squat or, and then even gymnastics, like a muscle up, it's like a golf swing. When you pick up a golf club, you have no idea what's going on. Like, yeah, you can look at somebody doing it and you're like, okay, they swing it back and then they swing it through. Like, I guess I should be able to do this. And it's like, no one would ever say that about a golf. Like, oh, I should be able to play as good as a pro. Like, not only do I need to learn how to swing this club and make contact with the ball, but now I need to learn how to hit it straight and far. And that's kind of like with weights, like, yeah, you can move a dowel down to the up position and stand up with the dowel over your head. But like, then you add weight and it gets a lot more difficult, just like with a golf club, like adding an actual golf hole where you have to stay on course. And then once you get good enough, it just gets more intricate. Every swing, you're thinking about something very specific, foot placement, like bar path, all of these things. It's so intricate. And I think people underestimate like how difficult that is. And it's like Olympic lifting is a sport in itself. Gymnastics is a sport in itself. Like certain movements, like ring movements are an event in itself in gymnastics. And I think a lot of people are turned off by that. But if you get the right person and you get the right like coach and the right program and you just get people showing up, that can be really exciting. Like, wow, every day I get a little bit better. And like some days I get a little bit worse. It's like a step back, two steps forward kind of thing. And then you look back, you know, two, three, 15 years later and like, wow, that's incredible that I've learned this and I'm that good now. Again, like we always say, just fall in love with the process of learning and the benefits are happening before you even get good. Like you're still lifting weight regardless. You're still jumping, you're still training. And the, the neurological benefits, like we said, I think three times already, are huge. So it's not just showing up and getting a good sweat. It's like you're training all aspects of your physical body, including your brain. You're creating new pathways in your brain. You're growing new neurotransmitters. And that can help with memory and other brain functions in other areas of your life. Like the benefits just go so far and beyond what I think people understand a training program can do. Can you grow new neurons you or can... do you just grow new? neural pathways. But the neurons that you do have don't die. That's it. I'm a psych degree, but it's been a while. Just let her go. We'll have to fact check that, Alex. You know what? Just do your own research. <laughs> Everything Here. prior to neuron talk was accurate. I'll bring out my old textbooks. <laughs> it's no. true, though. You do make neural pathways. Quick story. When I was first starting CrossFit, like 11 years ago, I was taking a year off between university and law school. So I wasn't doing anything besides just like studying a bit for my LSAT and like I was dealing with some family loss. So like just kind of grieving and like taking a bit of a moment for myself. And I was obsessed with CrossFit. You know, they would post the workouts at like 11 p.m. at night. So I would wake up in the middle of the night to pee and I would check what the workout was. We're nice enough to like show everyone their week's work workouts, not just daily. And then I would be in the middle of the night on my computer, like searching movement like, oh, medicine ball, squat clean. What's that? Because I was so excited. 
But anyways, my coach was like, you're getting very good at CrossFit very quickly because you're learning all of this stuff and then you're just like resting. And that's part of being an athlete. It's not just resting physically. It's like resting mentally because there's so much mental engagement to get really good at a sport. And most people doing our programming have jobs. It's just that's to show that the mental aspect and the brain function is such a big part of it. They've done that research where like they compare students who pull all-nighters to study and they compare their retention of information to students who don't do that, who get more sleep in like finals prep and stuff. And the retention of information is almost not even like comparable between the two. Like you might be able to retain enough to pass an exam, but you don't have that long-term retention because you're not resting enough for your brain to actually learn. And when you're doing skill movements, when you're learning new skills, you're learning new things, like sleep and recovery is such a vital part of retaining what you learn. So that was always like a thing that I really preached when I was coaching in person was like, hey, I know it might seem ridiculous that you're moving a dowel and it doesn't feel like a lot, but you do need to rest that you retain as much of what you learn day to day as you can. And then what I was going to say is when you compare functional style training to, you know, the type of training that a lot of people get on these apps, these like bodybuilding, you know, they use cable machines, isolated movements, that kind of thing, where you you sit down and and you do the thing that the machine is designed to do. It's brainless. You might be able to increase the resistance to a point where you're getting, you know, decent, you know, muscle recruitment and you can create some adaptation there. But it's so easy to disengage mentally from that type of training. Whereas with, you know, functional, you're getting not only the physical adaptation, you're getting more neurological recruitment because the movements are more complex. Your nervous system is involved. You're learning. And like, I don't remember specifically what it was like when I started training CrossFit or functional style training. But I get this feeling now when I am riding my mountain bike down a very technical trail. You're so engaged in what you're doing because there's not really a lot of room for error. It's new. Like you have to just be paying attention to every move and every decision that you make because it impacts like how you're going to ride. And that's how it is for people who are starting this training. Like everything, there's awareness across the board. And I don't get it as much in training now, like CrossFit style functional training, because I'm I'm just like, not to brag, but I'm just so good at everything that it doesn't require... (laughs) It doesn't require the same engagement. I can do really complicated movements as cardio, whereas before I was having to learn those in isolation. So, you know, there's that. And then there's tons of research that shows that people who have an exercise routine, and I have to imagine that even more specifically, a functional exercise routine experience less anxiety, less depression, they sleep better at night. And you know how with going down so many rabbit holes, but when you have a dog, you obviously want to exercise the dog physically, but when it's raining outside, you can't exercise the dog physically. And even sometimes in addition to physical exercises, you want to exercise their mind. And that kind of training, like learning new commands, doing obedience, things like that, almost tires dogs out more than physical training because the physical, you know, going on a walk or going on a run, it's so mindless for them. Whereas when you engage them mentally, even in a less physical exercise, they just, they like pass out for hours after because they're so tired. And the same thing happens with humans when they're learning new things. So there's my tangents. I'm done. I think it's interesting though, even you saying like, oh, you're good at so many things. And it's like, Mm. that's like where everyone ultimately wants to end up. 
without realizing that like the time that has spanned for you to get to that point that you can say, I'm so good at everything that it is autonomous to be able to go into the gym and do all of these complex and like high skilled movements. And I think it just kind of like ties back with, you know, what we were talking about before of just like mastery and just understanding that it's going to take time. And the sooner that we all accept that it is a lifetime pursuit. And that if you do stay the course with those things and, and figuring out how to tax yourself mentally and physically of like, you know, improving those movements and understanding what your body's doing. And that's the thing about being an adult and body awareness and spatial awareness is just like, you could have somebody help you out or cue you, Hey, do this. And it's just like, you have no idea what your body's even doing, like to even receive information and feedback to make that adjustment. And that's where like the patience comes in. It's just like, okay, like, Oh, my toes were out like all the way in my squat. Okay. Like I'll bring those in. Like, being able to like make those adjustments and just be patient with that mastery and that pursuit because it'll eventually happen. Yeah. I mean, that's the cool thing is I, I think a lot of people just believe that they're too old or it's not for them or they can't do it for one reason or the other. Partially, they aren't patient enough with themselves. They don't give themselves that learning period. And then even, you know, people who are in their 40s and their 50s, and I say, well, I've been doing this for 12 years. People get so discouraged by that. I'm like, well, 12 years is going to pass for you too. Like you might not get to my level because you're not, you know, you're a little older, but what are you doing with that time where you can't spend it learning how to move your body and learning about your body? And then through that learning about yourself and what you're capable of, I think people really sell themselves short on what their capacity and their capabilities actually are. And so I think that's the the real value in a, a program in and encouraging people to stay in it. My mom has been doing this type of training since she was 54 and she's 64 now. And she does cleans and she does, she has limitations because of some of her joint issues with, I mean, age and just things that she's done in her past, like shoulder injuries and things like that. She does pull-ups, like she actually got pull-ups like five years ago. Like she had been training for five years and then got a pull-up when she was like 59 or 60. So it's not too late. Like I'm sure there are a lot of women or men out there who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s are like, this isn't for me. This is too intense. Like this is exactly what you need to be doing right now. And like, if it feels hard, good. You know, if it feels like this is too hard or this movement is new, embrace that. That's a great thing. You have more to gain. And there's still tons of time. Like my dad does this type of training. It's like a little different, but he's 72. And it's great. Like we pushed him really hard to start this training when he was 65 because he is aging. And this is really a really important thing for him right now, especially. And there's new movements. He does a lot of balance and It's just, yeah, I think someone might look at this and be like running and squatting, like what? Like, yeah, maybe you have to walk or maybe you're on a bike instead, but there's so many ways to substitute and still get the stimulus and still grow in so many different ways. I just think you can't be turned off by something that's new and think that you're not capable or it's not for you. What are some of the biggest like fears and fallacies that you see people bring in through the doors? It's the type of training. So like, even like what Alex is saying, I think that's the biggest misunderstanding. And if we're having this conversation in the next 10 years, I don't even think this is going to be a conversation because there's so much research coming out now. And as we're learning and whether you believe it or not, like the compound movements that are highly neurologically driven are going to give you the best return for your time. And there is a time and place like 
Meredith, you talked about bodybuilding and stuff. And like, if you want to be a bodybuilder and focus on aesthetics, like obviously those methods work and they're backed by principles, but also there's research now showing that you can get just as much hypertrophy by going as heavy as you can to mechanical failure with two to six reps. And then you're going to get as big as your genetics are going to allow. And if you want to get bigger, you probably have to take drugs, but don't do that. It's one of those things where like, as these things come out and you're seeing more and more studies with regular people and athletes, it's just a thing where like you have to squat. You know, you talk to any new chiropractor that's been through school in the last 10 years, they're going to tell you to squat. You talk to any PT, they're going to tell you to move and regain and reclaim those movement patterns through the injury. They're not going to tell you to sit back and rest and stop moving. And now it's still there because obviously there's people who are older who went to school a long time ago. And it seems to me that they haven't re-upped their education but you talk to these newer chiros and PTs and doctors who really care and they train and they learn because you could be 60 years old, still learning right now and change your perspective in this type of training. And it's that it's like understanding that there's not anything else that you're going to be able to do. That's going to build your balance, your neurological connection, your strength, your power. And more importantly, like as we age our velocity, because that's the biggest thing that happens is we slow down. Now, how much do you want to slow down is the question that you want to ask yourself. Because like to brace yourself from a fall takes so much speed and agility just coming off of a curb. Like if you took like 120 frames per second and took a video of somebody and slowed it down, like the movement speed that that is required just to not fall down and break your hip is huge. It's like a mundane, simple thing. But if you're not jumping and you're not squatting and you don't have strength in your legs and core stability, you're going to fall down. And like, for me, that's the biggest fear for a lot of like our elderly parents and grandparents. It's like you fall down, like that's a death sentence at this point and break your hip, like just by the numbers. And hopefully you can come back from that through a good strength conditioning program and your diet and just get on point with that stuff. And it doesn't happen to you, but like you increase those risks so much that's like, why weren't you strength training? Why weren't you protecting yourself? When you say like slow down, you mean it's not just like, oh, I'm, you know, my pace of life is slowing down. What that means is literally like the time to contract a muscle and react physically to a situation yeah. is slower. Yeah. Your reaction speed of danger <laughs> gets slower. So it's one of those things. But then like a lot of people want to come in for aesthetics often. So it's like, okay, you'll have people do the CrossFit program that we do and functional program or the strength program. And then they'll want to do bicep curls after because they want their biceps to be bigger. And that's okay. Like I'm totally down with the vanity of that and wanting to do it. Then it becomes a conversation like, okay, well, you just did 50 pull-ups in that workout or you did 50 bent over rows. Like you've contracted your bicep 50 times. Like you don't need to add any more bicep curls. Maybe you need to rest and get proper nutrition. So then you can set yourself up for success for protein synthesis, muscle synthesis that is going to get you what you want. And like genetic factors too, like not everyone's going to look super muscular. Like I've been trying to get really muscular for a while and I'm just, it's just not going to happen. Like there are guys I know that are just super lean and they've always been lean and it's their parents because they're genetics or athlete history. And it's okay. Like I'm still going to try to get muscular, but like I've kind of come to the terms like, okay, just maintain this state. And so sometimes you comparing yourself to other people too is a detriment to what you're doing in the gym because you're you and you're going to look the way that you're going to look. doesn't mean you couldn't improve it, but you need to be okay with like, this is where I'm at. Keep pushing forward and getting better. And you can want those things, but try to be 
careful with that stuff too. And we see that often, like people come in like, well, how do I get like so-and-so or so-and-so can lift this way and I want to do that or they run this fast. And that's one of the other things we get often, you know, and that'll happen just because of Instagram and TikTok and everything else. It doesn't have to be inside of a gym. It just happens to be like, we see people every day in a gym and they start talking about each other. It's the same thing. It's just comparison. So that's another danger. And we try to work through all those things of like, okay, this stuff's safe for you. Squatting is okay for you. And here's why. And you're going to get a bigger bang for your buck and it's going to help you out. And then also not comparing to other people, which is why like, I really don't like the leaderboard in CrossFit. We try to get people to like, even today, I was like, you guys need to just go slower. It's okay. There's a 90 second rest after each round, just like chill. And they don't, but <laughs> at least I said it and they're adults they can choose. But it's one of those things where like, you don't need to be racing all the time, focus on what you're doing, your mechanics and be safe. And that's all you can really do. And over time, I think just by the action of you doing, you realize rather quickly, like it's okay to be squatting below parallel through full range of motion with good technique. It's okay to be adding more weight, you know, every week or month or year. It's okay to be trying to run a little faster, push yourself a little harder, like to the point where you want to throw up sometimes, not all the time, but like, you know, once or twice a month would be okay. And just take on that challenge of like doing, you know, hard things. Everybody says like, oh, we do hard things. That's cool to say, but like, it's the mindset that you grow into that helps you get to that point where like, it's just normal. Again, that's why Meredith, you're like, oh, I'm good at everything. It's like, cause you push yourself to the edges of your personal limitations so much so for so long that it adapted you to this ability where you're at now. And it seems natural to you. Whereas other things like mountain biking, cause you haven't been doing it are really challenging and it requires way more from you than you have had to do in a while because you spent so much time perfecting this fitness and it's like, okay, well, that's good. Like maybe you should mountain bike more because it's challenging and you'll get a bigger adaptation from that. And then now you can balance two really cool things where you're super good at mountain biking and you're really fit. And then it's like, what's the next thing I can add on to that? Skiing. Skiing. Yeah, I wish I was good at skiing. Last year, Meredith did a run and we were waiting at the bottom. It had to be 20 minutes. Oh man, can I tell this? I feel like the story was on a podcast potentially. I'm excited. Yeah, she had to like stop mid run for 10 minutes because her nervous system was so jacked. It's like that feeling you get when you hit like a max snatch. It was like, and you're just like, (laughs) there's this thing because your nervous system's like, what just happened? There's this chairlift that they only open at Fernie, maybe like, I would say 10 to 14 days out of the year. It's at the very top of the mountain. The only reason they installed the chairlift was so they could do avalanche control on the cornices that form up there. And then they're like, ah, you know, there's a chairlift. If the conditions are safe and it's a clear day, we'll just open it for people. So they do that. It's called Polar Peak. It's double black only. There are no non-double black options. They put the double black sign as you get on the chairlift. Like before you, like in the lineup, you have to pass by like 10 signs that say like double black only experts only. And I'm like, oh gosh, like, okay, Meredith, let's go. Yeah. And I'm not a great skier. I can get down a lot of things now. I've improved a lot in the last couple of years, but I got to the top of this mountain and it was just kind of like, fuck, there were no non-sketchy options down. So I took like, they don't even load the chairlifts one after another because there's not enough space on that peak for like a crowd of people. So they have to space out the number of people who get to the top at a certain amount of time. And you have to get out of the way. So I went down, Alex and her mom went off to the right and I went down to the left because I like for some reason thought it would be easier slash did not want them to watch me. I was like waiting for someone to go and we were all at this kind of like coulier and it's like very steep, mandatory line. There was no picking your line. There's only one. You have to be able to ski it. 
I got down it eventually didn't crash. It was miraculous. But yeah, I got to the middle of the mountain skiing to the base and had to stop because like my body was convulsing. That is how messed up my nervous system. Not different than like finishing certain workouts. Mm -hmm. Like it's amazing. Had you not been in as good of shape as you are, like you maybe probably would have crashed. Oh, I would have. And it's not even like, again, to go back to like the brain benefits, it's not even from a physical standpoint. Yes, you're very strong. But from like a mental standpoint, like being able to stay engaged, even having the confidence of being like, I can do this, like not to like toot your horn, but there's probably literally never tooted my horn. I know. I'm tooting it now. (laughs) You made it down to the bottom, even though I was very concerned. I think that like what doing hard things does for you, especially in the context of like this type of training is it does give you a blueprint that you can then take forward. Like you stick with this, you learn it like you know, maybe you're not ever going to be someone who's snatching over 100 pounds even, but you're like, look, I started with a dowel. I'm not able to get below parallel on an overhead squat. And now I can, you know, squat snatch 75 pounds. And, you know, that's a huge improvement, both from a load standpoint and a movement standpoint. And so it builds confidence and it builds resilience. Like I've, I've been thinking about this concept of like resilience and how you grow it. Because someone asked that question in like an Ask Me Anything a couple of weeks ago. And I do think that you know, putting yourself in hard situations, not where you're putting yourself in physical danger or anything like that, but challenging yourself mentally and physically, like self-selecting the difficult situations starts to create resiliency in the situations that you don't get to select. The ones that you just come across in everyday life, whether they're emotional situations or, yeah, physical situations where you have to use your body in a, a way to, you know, protect yourself or potentially other people or just get yourself out of harm's way. Like you build that resiliency through selecting and choosing to do hard things and in like a controlled environment and developing some confidence there. I think we have a as a society, a huge lack of resiliency, I think, because it's like such an instant gratification, you know, society and situation that we don't choose hard things. We choose easy things. You know, we choose the fast results if we can get them. Over time, I think people lose resiliency. They lose the ability to control their emotions. They lose the ability to tolerate stress. A prime example is like when you're in the airport, you have the stairs and you have the escalator. How many people opt for the stairs? I take the stairs. Same. I do. And I'm like, I am superior. (laughs) I like walk by the elevator people like you lazy. I'm not doing that. It's it's such a clear path. Also, there's no one ever there. It is. Why wouldn't you take the stair? But it's like it is. It's the harder route. But I'm just like, I choose the harder because of the training that I've done. And again, I'm like, not to like, brag, but I think you train your brain to be like, what will benefit me the most in this moment, even if it's a split decision? You know, I think it's interesting, actually. So like the two analogies, first thing, though, before that, I think Alex, like and generally anyone like you guys and myself, we've all worked really hard for our physical state. So I don't think it should be bragging, like be proud of it. Like we've worked really hard. You make different choices than a lot of people. And it's okay to say, I think that's important. And anyone who's listening to this, like if you're working really hard, be proud of the efforts that you put in and what you're getting from that. And let's like make it okay to say like, yeah, I'm really fit or I'm really fast. I've worked really hard for that. Like I've earned it. And I want to say that. And hopefully other people will say that about you because that's always nice too. Or they'll say, I want to be like her. I'm going to do her program. Actually, like that's part of it is like, be like me, take the stairs. But what's interesting about Meredith's story with the skiing, bring it back to like program design and what people need to understand. And in our gym, we try not to use the word scaling. Like we say modify or sometimes people say customization. But like the reason why we don't say it is in the attempt to get like what Meredith's talking about with the skiing is like 
we want you to be able to grow over time into doing the like quote unquote RX. I don't really believe there's also an RX. I think you are the dependent of RX. Like if you snatch like 200 pounds or hundred pounds or one pound, that's like whatever your RX is and you want to continue to grow and push your self limitation. And so growing through that progression and not stopping is what's going to continue to create these adaptations. There's a lot of different ways to create adaptation. I think for a long time, we've been really focused on volume and volume, like doing more. I think doing more is going to get me a better result. Tightening down on my nutrition, doing more reps in the gym, going like harder for longer. And that is a way it can work. I don't know how sustainable that is for everyone. Some people are just really hard-headed and can do that forever and ever. But there is also other ways to get adaptation. And like CrossFit has brought to the world intensity. That was something that cut through a lot of the volume. So you can increase your intensity and go faster. You can also lift heavier weights. It's another way, which would be interchangeable with intensity. And it's cool to see that you can take these approaches to your training to push yourself forward to get a little bit better. So then you can get down the mountain and like that intense dose response of you trying to go down that double black pushed you a little bit further forward because you weren't concerned about, I mean, you're probably concerned about dying, but like <laughs> you were okay enough and safe enough in that moment and that environment and being with Alex, who's a phenomenal skier and could come save you if you needed it. I didn't wait for her. I was already at the bottom. Right, the ski <laughs> patrol was going to get you, but you're in a safe enough environment, just like exercise. Like it's so safe. Like, even though it doesn't, it may not feel that way and it may feel uncomfortable, it's probably the safest place you could be inside of a gym or in your garage doing training and trying to push yourself to build that resilience and grow a little further and try to figure out like what you respond to. Cause some people do respond really well to volume. Some people don't, some people respond to lifting heavy weights. Some people respond, you know, to just going hard all the time. And then it's finding a balance. I hope that you figure out how to do all three because all three are going to give you the best benefit and then balancing that training throughout the week and the month. And that's what we hope to do with this training program. And you can see those things in the training of like, okay, this is a long volume day. Okay, this is a hard intense day. Okay, we're working on technique and skill and it's highly neurological. So that's going to be fatiguing in itself, like the dog training. So like figuring it out over time and hopefully you guys helping all of the people that sign up figure out what those things are and how to identify them, right? That's when coaches say, well, today's stimulus is, and sometimes it's, I don't know why people say it and they don't really say anything at the whiteboard, but like, I'd rather them be like, today's stimulus is long. We're going long and enduring. Today's stimulus is intensity. Today's stimulus is heavy. Today's stimulus is highly neurological. And just kind of leaving it at that, that'd be probably better for me. I like that. But we want to dose ourselves with those things and over time, progressively dose them. You know, not to... A degree like Alex, where she's just running a million miles. I'm very impressed by you, by the way, though. But you get to a point where you may break, right? And that's one of the edges. And I think, you know, Alex, you're trying to run a sub three hour marathon. I coach a few male marathon runners and like they're pushing themselves to the brink. There's going to be some injury. It's not like if, it's when. And that's okay because you're going down that path and you're assuming those risks. Hopefully, most people aren't trying to go that far, but we do need to get to that place where we feel very uncomfortable and it's unattainable in that moment more often than not. And that's something we tell people coming to the gym all the time. It's like, this needs to be uncomfortable. And then some days I'm like, no, just chill out. It's cool. Don't worry. You're here. I think like my running volume, when you look at compared to other people 
running around the three hour mark is actually, from what I can see, is much lower. And it has been for many years building up. I ran my first marathon running 30 kilometers a week. Compared to like Nick Bear is, I don't know if you know him, BPN. He's kind of the, I guess, the most well-known hybrid athlete just because he puts a lot of content out. You know, I think he's aiming for like a 245 marathon, maybe that's his next goal. Probably equivalent to like a three-hour female. No, I think three hours is like 230. That's the equivalent. I think you're faster. It's it's hard to say. But he also does functional training, more like bodybuilding style. But his mileage is insane. I don't actually know how he does it with his work. He's running at least a third more than me. So if I'm running 50 miles, 80K a week, he's running 120K a week. So for like 80 miles. Yeah, like the same. And he's been doing that for longer and he's going to be, his build is longer. I mean, I keep up with him because I'm interested. But I think part of the reason I have been able to have as much success with a lower volume of training and even just like a bigger body for females running at this pace is because of the type of training that I do within running and within my other functional training. Like just hitting intensity that other runners aren't able to hit, like doing workouts, like burpees over the bar. Like it's a completely different stimulus that I think does transfer or like, you know, a little bit of lower volume allows me to hit intensities and running harder. And the fact that I've done CrossFit training where I'm like literally on the edge, 10 out of 10 effort, I know how to push that in running. Whereas like some runners maybe don't or they're limited by other factors. I think like the diversity in training that I've done and continue to do. And even though in the last podcast about this topic, we said like, this isn't what we do for training. It's very similar. Like I did one of the rounds of the workouts this week just to demo. It was a two minute AMRAP with dumbbells. And I was toasted after the two minutes. And that's the feeling you want some days is just being like, two minutes? How is this so hard? And I'm going to do it only four times. That's eight minutes of work. But it like, it hits hard. And that's all you need. And to kind of go back to the like bodybuilding or some of the other accessory stuff, and then that kind of transfers into how much volume we add and how much time you end up spending per day. I was doing an activity with one of my clients who is a runner and she was doing more like accessory-based basic strength training, like bodybuilding style workouts. She has done CrossFit in the past and I was showing her my workouts just to compare. And then she was like, well, what if I did some of yours and then like built in some of what I do? And so I was like, okay, let me try. Cause I'm like, I'm not the most experienced programmer, more like learning about running program, but I tried to put it together. And like, just from what I know, I'm like, if I take my programming, which is low volume for CrossFit or functional training, just because of the amount of running I do. And I'm trying to add in things like hamstring curls and bicep curls and just like isometric holds or one arm pal of presses, a bunch of extra core. I'm looking at my training. I'm like, I already hit hamstrings with my deadlifts. I already hit hamstrings with my squats. Like I did pull-ups, that's biceps. I did toes to bar, that's core. Like everything gets hit with these compound movements in much smaller, like shorter periods of time because you get a bigger bang for your buck. It's just like, I don't know. It was a fun activity for me to be like, oh, yeah, you don't need more volume. Like you can spend that volume elsewhere, like in the kitchen, prepping your food and you get a bigger bang for your buck. So that's what I've kind of learned lately as I kind of dive a little bit more into running programming and and then looking at the programming that you're providing to our clients. Been interesting. Did any of that make sense? Some of it made sense. I think that like the important takeaway, like if people are listening and maybe they're in the program or considering it. Sum it up for us, Meredith. They don't have experience with functional training or maybe they're replacing the training that they're doing with it. You have to have some patience 
and some tolerance for the fact that this type of training is going to feel very different. And you'll have to resist mentally going to that place where, you know, you think this isn't as hard, this isn't going to work for me, it's not effective because you're choosing to spend your hour in the gym or, you know, at home in your gym, largely learning new movements and doing new movements at a weight that, you know, it may not feel as difficult. You may not be sweating as much. You may not be as sore, but that patience really pays off in what you get long-term with this type of training because it makes you better in life and it makes you feel better. Like people think that they don't do functional training. You do functional training every day. You live your life. Like if you sit up and down in a chair or on a toilet, congratulations, you're squatting. If you're on the floor with your kids and you go to get up, that's pushing up. Like you're going through these ranges of motion already. And the biggest thing that I hear, the fear is like, well, I just don't want to get hurt. And while I understand that fear, I would have that fear to a greater degree if I did not do functional training. I would have that fear every day walking around in my life because what happens when you, you know, you go to to pick up a box or something and you twist and you pick it up and you don't have the ability to organize your core or your back and all of a sudden you've blown a disc out just moving a box. You're doing functional training, just living your life. So you get to choose how you do it in the gym and control the adaptation a little bit. The other day we had to move our new treadmill out of the back of the truck into our garage. And it became clear after an hour that it wasn't going to be doable with just us. So we had to invite the neighbors over to help. But for an hour, Meredith and I were like trying to figure out how we could do this. I was like ticked off. And we were like, we we do CrossFit. Like we'd never not been able to move something ourselves. And it was like, but this thing was just too big and too awkward. And it, I don't know, I think this training, it just does make you feel so competent in life and moving things. And it's like when you can't move something, you're like, what? Yeah, I actually had an experience I shared with Todd when he was out for running because I was trying to potentially stick with doing the 8K in Philly. And I did an hour of three minutes of running, one minute of walking. And like, I haven't been doing a ton of running, but the three minutes like to stay in an aerobic like heart rate, like my pace was astronomically slower than anything I ever see on my watch, like with being pregnant. And I think even more so was like, we're running on a canal here in Rochester. And there was a moment of like, I would have trouble running at speed, like away from someone. And not that that's like why we train, but it's like that moment of like, I have a physical incapability that I don't currently have a ton of control over. But majority of the time, we have full control over increasing our physical capabilities and our like formidable properties as humans. And so I think like that alone, whether that's moving the treadmill off the truck or just being able to like scoop up your kid out of danger or whatever it is, like you're gaining all of those things because of, of training in, like we said before, like one of the safest environments you can do it in. Because if you're doing like landmine rotations in your garage, that's a lot safer than the moment that you have to scoop somebody out of harm's way, right? And so I think like there's just no substitution for it, unfortunately. Like training is the only way you can achieve those like qualities. And that's part of why we joke that like, oh, it doesn't always have to be fun. It's like, like you're reaping those rewards. One of my friends, she's like 10 years older than me. She actually was like one of my first friends through CrossFit. And she was on vacation with her kids. I think her kids are like six and eight or something, maybe a bit younger. And she was on vacation with them. She was doing sprints and burpees on the beach. And some guy was like, whoa, like, what are you training for? And she was like, she looked at him and was like, 
life and wasn't even joking. Like, I just need to be strong for my life. And I love that. And I think that can be just really powerful. And even when we talk about like goal setting or somebody's why and things like that. And I think like a lot of times people think like they either have to have something on the calendar for training or like things like that. And I think those things can be great and really beneficial and and good to have. But if at your core, that is your sentiment that you're training for life and you're training for physical capability and health, like that makes those other things that much more enjoyable. But if you can still like tie back to that of just like, this is why I do it. And you know, that allows you to go do Philly or go do these other things, then great. But like those types of goals and why are what's going to allow you to show up every day and do the training that you need to do. Yeah. I mean, that one's tough though at the end of the day, because like having a martial arts background and like, I mean, we're going to have a little girl, so it's going to be a little bit different. We're going to teach her how to fight, but we'll talk about this with people in the gym. And it's like, I know what it takes to like physically take on another human being. And so, especially females, and unfortunately that's just what it is. If you're out on a run, like your bicep curls are not going to protect you from someone attacking you. Like you definitely need to be able to do a 200 pound front squat, like over time, because that 200 pound man is going to attack you. And if you can front squat that load, you're pretty capable to get them away from you. You know, even without any type of like martial arts training or anything, like you're going to have an advantage. So that alone for me, just the background I have and working with so many people, it's like, we got to get strong just for that. Cause the world is dangerous, whether you want to admit it or not. And like health and fitness is great and living longer is great, but just protecting yourself is going to be really valuable and important if it ever happens. And you don't want to be without. If you have a 200 pound thruster, if he jumps on you and you front squat him and then thruster him, you could throw him right into the canal. I mean, enough about that 300 pound back squat. The 200 pound thruster is where it's at. And that's not to belittle like potential actual attacks. That's like, it is a scary thing, especially as a woman running in the dark. And I do often think like, if I had to speed up, could I run away from someone? And it's nice to know I could. I sometimes, but I am also a faster runner and not everyone maybe is as capable, which is fine. You just, at that point, then don't run in the dark or run in safe areas. I spend less time thinking about like attacks by other humans. I think now that we're, I think Canada generally a little bit safer than the US, but then also where we are now, I do spend a lot of time thinking about bears. Animals, yeah. If I needed to get away from a bear right now, could I do that? Probably not. Don't try to outrun a bear. No, I know. But like, but sometimes I'm like huffing up a hill on a mountain bike and I'm like, if a bear was around the corner, I don't know exactly what I would do. <laughs> bear spray, of course. But yeah, I do think about that a lot. It just helps with confidence. It is. Yeah. Just to feel capable and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think we're all really excited about this program. And what we're bringing into it is not only years of experience as athletes in this training methodology, but you know, you guys have owned a few gyms. You own one now. I used to manage a gym. So we're bringing in thousands of data points of people who are just normal people, accountants teachers, stay-at-home moms who, you know, they decide to walk through a gym door, start up a program and it works. It works for them. And you've seen it. I've seen it. Alex has seen it. And then we also have, you know, our clientele with tactic and a lot of them do this type of training either in gyms or at home. And so we see it work for them. And so it works hundred percent of the time. It will work if you do it. And it's like, there aren't many things that you can promise But this type of program. You can promise if you just give it time and give it the right attention and effort, it will work in a way that 
you know, maybe nothing else has worked in the past and in a way that's very engaging and fun to do. So I feel like we sold it with that line. Did we sell it? I mean, we've been at that's it for an commercial. hour. So like that's going to be the highlight clip I can tell. Well, gosh, yeah, I'm sure we could sit here and talk about this for hours, but we do appreciate you coming back on to talk about some of the nuance and experience and what you see with people and how we conceptualize this stuff. We're, we're very much on the same page, which is why it was a no-brainer to involve you guys in this part of our new business. It's a good time. We just really like to work out. I think I did say that in one of my interviews at the 2015 regional. Someone was like, how do you feel? And I was like, I just really like to work out. I won an event in 2016 and I got that question. I like won my heat and I did the little interview thing and there, you know, I don't remember what the question was, but I do remember saying, I just really love burpees. <laughs> and I was like, that was not profound. So we're glad that Meredith isn't the brains behind the actual like bones of the programming. <laughs> You'd be doing a lot of burpees. I was wrong with that. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks again. If we don't have you back on, we'll see you in Philly. We will see you in Philly and we'll probably do a post-baby pod. I think that'd be really cool. So we'll have lots to talk about on the next one. All righty. Thanks.